podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Hello and welcome to the second episode of this Pod Syndicate bonus show series. That's a mouthful. Mm. Um, there and back again, where Jordan, that's me, of the His Film Her Movie podcast, and my fellow co-host... Ian Loring, hello. Yes, Ian of the Film Bastards podcast, Hi. where we look at the Middle Earth saga. We did the Fellowship of the Ring a few weeks ago, and as all sagas, that we take the next instalment, which is The Two Towers. And, I mean, this became... Well, this was the biggest, the grossing film of that year. So it was a tentpole. We all now knew about Road of the Rings. The ante had been raised. People would like want expected greatness. So for you, did the Two Towers deliver? Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I know we said we were talking about it on the the last recording that Two Towers in my mind was kind of the you know, it's the middle chapter. You don't have the thrill of the beginning or the, the highs of the conclusion and whatnot. Uh, um, I, I still very much liked it at the time, for sure. Um, watch Watching it now, I think it works better for me than it did previously. And I, I, I think it's because... I don't know why, but on this watch, it just felt like there really wasn't any fat. And I mean, this is, you know, it's the extended edition before credits. It's like three hours, 35, three hours, 40, something like that. It's an incredibly long film, but I don't think I'd want to cut any of it. And um, I remember the Miranda, 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 Miranda Otto, um, (laughs) Vigo Mortensen stuff as being something that I was a bit like, yeah, uh, you know, it doesn't really come to anything. But on, on, on this go around, I think it's key for how she develops in Return of the King. Um, you know, it, it's she's got hints of being able to handle herself here, but there's an awful lot of her kind of almost like fawning over... Vigo Mortensen. Um, whereas with Return of the King, it's it, you know, I mean, her famous thing: "I am, I am no man, or I am not a man." I, uh, forgive me, I yeah. say it's famous, and I can't remember the wording. But um, it, it, I, I think that this does some good table setting for that. Um, yeah, no, I, it's it, it's a very, very, very strong bit of work in a very, very, very strong series. You know, I mean, um, how how were you with it? Absolutely. I mean, you're saying that it is a long film, and it, it absolutely is, but I actually watched it all in one sitting, which I, I did That's split fine. up Fellowship into two sittings, and I just sat there yesterday and just let it wash over me. Um, I wasn't looking at my watch like I would normally do in like sort of like a... You think something that's only four hours, just because it's an investment of a day, basically. Mm. And I had a great time with it. It's one of those things, because... Before watching it, I was very interested. Fellowship is a linear story. You've got that fellowship on its journey, and then we split up. Now, what I really wanted to look at this time is the numerous storylines and how they intertwined and 
I mean, because they didn't really do that in the source material. You get chunks of Frodo and Sam, which is like the end of the book, the end half of Two Towers, and you've got the Aragorn, Merry Pippin, etc. at the start of Two Towers. They literally split up in half. Okay. You don't have like intertwining chapters. And I remember going in thinking, okay, how do they do this? And I think it's kind of the silent hero of this film is the editing, because how they manage to intertwine those storylines without losing any momentum or pacing is fantastic. You don't feel like you're with any characters for too long or too short, and everything just seems to tick over so precisely, and that is... Yeah, I think is one of the the best things about this movie. I love more some more than others, but yeah, it's like the Aragorn storyline. Um, as we go into Rohan, I mean, I think I mentioned that last time. Is that's my favorite um, stretch of all these movies. Sure. Um, I, I I just love the locale. I love the sets. I love um what it does there. And I mean, you talk about Eowyn, and like Eowyn is one of my favorite characters in it because it's one of the characters that does have a distinct arc within the film and within the books. Yeah. Um, whereas some of the characters, yeah, you can't say they have an arc, but they're just there to, to exist alongside people. Like, for example, Legolas doesn't really have an arc. Gimli doesn't really have an arc. And just introducing that feminine angle to it all um, was entertaining to me. But... What I remember mostly is the opening because I remember as watching it in the cinema because and you all each three films has like a little prologue before we get into the chunk of the movie and I remember fawning over that Balrog Gandalf fight mm. just thinking it was at the time just mind blowing like the visuals of falling down that that cavernous and when when it opens up to that wide that shot, wide shot. The, yeah I was thinking of that yeah. It, and the music just sort of like cuts into a single sort of, I mean, it, like a hymn sound, beautifully made. And yeah, I I remember things differently. I remember Helm's Deep being longer. Like I, I had a thinking that like Helm's Deep was going to be like an hour and a half of the runtime, but it really isn't. Like as soon as you get to Helm's Deep, it's it doesn't half go at a clip. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I. I don't think I remembered it being an hour and a half per se, but definitely longer than it actually is here. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, what, it's weird. The thing that kind of struck me here is I thought there wasn't as much of Frodo, Sam and Gollum as I actually remembered there being. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think it's just on this watch, I just kind of appreciated the the added colour, really. Like you say, I mean, um, and uh, forgive me, I've got a tin here for fantasy names, so I'm just calling them by the uh, uh, by the, the, the actor or actress's name if I don't really know them. But um, Miranda uh, uh, Otto, like, she just really, really worked for me this time around. And uh, uh, David Wenham as well, I think. Um, is he uh, is he Faramir or is he Bob? Faramir uh, and Eowyn. Eowyn, right, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I really like David Wenham. And I think one of the key things that the extended edition does here is that flashback sequence where mm. you're already getting a, a, a more of a sense of why he is who he is. And then obviously that leads into return of the King. And 
you know, John Noble has got maybe a minute or two of screen time here, but he immediately sets up that character in Return of the King as an absolute shithead. Um, and I, I, I just thought that was a really good addition to have in, in, in this extended edition here. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, I, I think you're right, though. I think the, the editing is key. You're not with them for any longer than you, you should be, you know? And I mean, I, I think if any if any set of characters here, it, it's like, yeah, all right, fair enough. That didn't need to be that long. It's probably Merry and Pippin. Um, you know, mm. I, even though I, I think the film's quite tricksy in the way that they are kind of the comic relief and there's quite a lot of comedy in their section. But at the same time, that that makes the impact of Treebeard like just chatting away and then he comes out of the, the forest and then sees all like the chopped down trees and whatnot. It, it kind of makes that more powerful. But then by the end of the film, you've basically got Merry and Pippin leaving this section of the story, just basically toking up. It's, yeah. uh, it, it, it's an, an interesting balance they do here, but at the, at the same time, I don't think I'd want any of that, that section to be any longer just like it is a pretty much a perfect length there, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It, uh, sorry, go on. Go on. And there, I mean, and there is only one. I'd say within the extended edition, there's only one scene that you could see. You understand why it was cut, and that is when they're drinking from the from the well, and it's like, oh, you're taller than me, and then because that goes nowhere. It, it, it's it, a it just as a bit, bit of business, oh, though, isn't it? No, yeah, but it, it, it doesn't add anything to the storyline. However, what I think Marion Pippin, that storyline does, is give us probably one of the the moments of the trilogy, and that, that's like the last March of the Ents onto Isengard, sure. yeah, and that yeah. whole sequence, because that is just a feast for the eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. The, the, the siege, I mean... I think we kind of talked about it in Fellowship, but the, the mix of CG and practical have made mm. these films age so much better than they otherwise would have. And, you know, they're, they're very wise with those scenes to keep them wide, not necessarily need too much detail on, on the ends and whatnot, but it it works really well. And, um, I mean, kind of talking about that kind of, like that crowd technology as well. I mean, uh, obviously they, they use that in Helm's Deep, beautifully and you know i mean like having it at night and having it raining just it, the, it rainy battles inherently cinematic in themselves but they can also it can also help hide some of the cg at times as well but you know the low, the large crowd environments i remember um uh, the uh troy i think it was was really heralded at the time of you know, CG can create all these massive crowds. And, you know, you look at the two towers and it's like, well, it can do and it can accentuate it. But at the same time, it's brilliant just to have like a couple hundred actual fucking people there, you know, in, in the foreground. Um, it, I mean, Helm's Deep is, the, the, the build-up to that is fucking incredible. I mean, for me, it might, might edge it over the battle itself but i just i love when that one guy lets off that yeah. errant arrow and just the one orc just like and then just falling down i mean it's great um yeah and it just, just jackson's cheeky 
kind of gnarly violence in full swing there, you know, which is lovely to see. You love to see it. Well, it goes throughout that entire mm. uh, sequence, Helmstein sequence as well, because you do you have decapitations. I mean, we talk about this in Fellowship, but mm. being the fact that this is fantasy is the only reason why. I mean, this I think Two Towers was a twelve. Yeah, it was a twelve, but yeah, yeah. it is the only reason why it isn't a fifteen mm-hmm. because it is sometimes very, very violent. But I mean, we're going. We're talking about Lord of the Rings. Let's talk about the Ring. And this time around, what I actually really noticed is that the Frodo and Sam storyline, I mean, other than maybe the Merry Pippin, is quite significantly weaker than the Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas storyline. And I think that's maybe, it, it makes you feel a little bit more like they're just padding to get to Mordor in a way. Um, in two towers regarding Frodo and Sam, because yeah, you do get Faramir and you do get some of the stuff like the the Dead Marsha sequence. I do love, and when we mm-hmm. do see the when we see the Black Rider on the the Nazgul, um, the 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 Dragon Beast, whatever you want to call it, sure. it's a great reveal. And yeah, I just I just found this time around, and it's not even to do with Gollum or anything like that, because Gollum. I am amazed. I mean, even with his 4K, still stands up. Yes, there's some ropey scenes when you can see he's grabbing something or it just doesn't look quite right. Yeah. But for something that's t- nearly 20 years old, it is quite remarkable how good it still looks. Well, yeah, and I mean, this is the thing. I mean, when you've got the Smeagol and Gollum talking to each other, it's minutes on end of just Gollum on screen, you know, obviously the background, but just Gollum and it. Yeah, you're right. It does. It does hold up. There's some good detail and, you know, even just like the sprouts of hair that, that are on his head, yeah. you know, it, it's, it, it, it's that level. And obviously with fellowship, the brief bits you get with him there, they obviously haven't decided on his look and he does, he does look different here, but it, it, it is, incredibly well done no yeah i mean like you say man it's 20 years hence and yeah it, it's still brilliant and i think it's for me it's the eyes the eyes look very authentic to mm-hmm. me um and i don't know if it's just the fact that it's the sheen across them or it's the way the irises work but that's what brings life to that character um and what I like about it as well is because yes, Gollum is a, a, a villain of the movie in a way. Mm. However, and especially that scene where I mean the famous scene that we uh, where he talks to himself, and I mean the fact that that came out that he wasn't even Peter Jackson who directed that is hilarious. Mm. Um, but it it shows him as a danger, but also as a character to empathize with. And that is the fine line of Gollum, and that's a fine line of how he interacts with different people because he does look pitiful, but as we all know, he's quite conniving, especially with the final scene of this movie. And I remember going into it wondering, God, how are they going to do Gollum? Because it's got to be CG, and that it could make or break the entire trilogy if it mm-hmm. looked terrible. And I remember looking thinking about that Gollum and then going into Return of the King thinking, oh, God, how are they going to do Shelob? Because, again, if that doesn't work, then it's just going to look really, really ropey. But 
luckily they they knock them both out of the park because well, I think just because of the time and the effort of Weta and the fact that I mean this film is the film that made Weta um, the the uh, studio that it is but yeah it's it's so interesting to see just how important the visual effects of this film are, especially with the with the characters. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's interesting. We're talking so much about Gollum here, and you were saying that Frodo and Sam. It kind of feels like padding. I think one mm. of the. I mean, obviously, the Sam and Frodo um, uh, relationship has had the piss taken out of it to death, and I, you know, I've fair play for good reason, but. <sighs> I suppose if I was going to have a criticism of of any part of the film, I think it would be this section and the fact that it this is the second film in a row that kind of ends with Sam basically declaring his love for Frodo and saying I'll be with you to the end and you know he's got he's got a speech about hope and belief and whatnot but he kind of had that at the end of fucking Fellowship as well you know it, it's. Mm. It, 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 it is the same thing kind of over again, except this time you've got the added kind of complication of Gollum, but there, 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 there's kind of more of that in Return of the King, isn't there? And it, it kind of develops a bit more. Um, I mean, God, if you didn't have the Faramir section in this, it, the Frodo and Sam bit would be brutal. Um but thankfully, like you say, there is plenty of other stuff here. Um, you know, I mean, I, I I really like Bernard Hill as well. Um, yes, you know the that I mean that and that sequence where Gandalf basically kicks um, Saruman out of him, and then he kind of deages. That is fucking fantastic, and not just because of like the CG and the makeup and whatnot, but just the way that Hill plays it. You know, he just looks like he should be dead when you first see him. And then, you know, obviously he's mourning a lot, but just how much more life he's got in the rest of the film. It, it, Hill portrays both of those incredibly well, um, even though, you know, I, I, I think employing someone as Grima Wormtongue as your advisor, you know, you, you've, kind of shit the bed there already haven't you i mean what a weirdly on the nose name that is i yeah <laughs> but yeah i mean i mean the makeup for um theoden and, and bernard hill especially in that part of the film where he is decrepit and you've got worm tongue in his ear and he kicks amir out of edoras and and banishes her from rohan and things like that like that is Brilliant, brilliant makeup. But as we've talked about Grim uh, Wormtug now, Brad Dourif is probably my favourite performance of all of this sequence. He is such a great actor. And the only thing I think of is he's got a great face. Like, he's got such a villainous face and his features just really add to that. He, he, he looks slimy and not to be trusted. And he, and he carries that on in so many different films mm. like for example Wise Blood or Exorcist 3 he's one of my favourite actors to, to watch favourite character actors to watch and it's even the fact that he he talks in his this weird American accent where everybody else is sort of putting four British accents on which makes him seem even more um, distrusting 
Yeah, I mean, I think with Brad Brad Dourif, it's like it's kind it's kind of ham, but it's really really sincere ham. You know, yeah. it, it, it's is playing up the sheer fucking skeeviness of it all, but you just believe it in that character. It, it, it's yeah, I, I it, it's a, a, a very interesting performance and i think he's obviously just kind of could do this kind of thing in his sleep but i i love how quiet he is um and 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 yeah he's not just like an eagle or anything like that you know it 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 feels like he's acting over uh, under his own agency throughout and um yeah in 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 a series series of films with incredible character actors, he's he's definitely a bit of a standout, isn't he? Um, even though I, I forgot that Carl Urban was in this as well, and just how fucking identical yeah. he is, like he just blends into the background. But he's fucking Carl Urban, and later on in his career, he did way more interesting stuff. You just see him here, and he's just like slightly pretty boy gruff soldier it's odd odd um and again Liv Tyler third build in this what the fuck yeah well that's it but again I think in one of the only sequences again I think you could probably get rid of is the the wag attacking when Aragorn goes off the cliff and then you do get all the stuff with Arwen because again I can't remember those that sequence being in the books because Arwen I think really is always only in the first book and right to the end of the third and it just feels like you've they had to remind people that Aragorn was in a relationship and that he he had sort of the love of his life for for future or in the films because if you if you're not going to even talk about her then people will forget that Liv Tyler was the love interest. Yeah, I mean, it, I, you you need that stuff there so that you, you know you know that he he's not going to do anything with Eowyn, where whereas. If you didn't have that there, and it was just like okay, she's kind of forgotten. Then may- maybe that that I don't know. It's interesting because I don't think you're ever actually supposed to think. Oh, there's a chance these two could get together. It for me, it's she wants to be with him, but there's no fucking way that he would do that. And then you know she in Return of the King learn, learns not to be defined by the men in her life, you know. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's... It, Liv Tyler, just the, 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 the billing thing here baffles me and her agent did some fucking great work there. But then again, I think <laughs> Kate Blanchett's like fifth or sixth build and she's in it for maybe two minutes, if that. I'd say, yeah, two minutes. I think she, the, only, the only thing she's in it is recycled footage from the Fellowship of the Ring yeah, and, yeah. A, and a new voiceover. Yeah. It's brilliant. Uh, but again, it's, it's... The stuff with Eowyn, um, it, it is some of my favourite stuff because, and I mean, you're saying that it sort of worked on first for you back in the day, but it sort of brings a, a humanity, especially to Aragorn, because like, even one of my favourite scenes, which adds nothing to the film, is when she brings him food to eat and... It's just a little bit of comic relief. It's a little bit of sort of finding out a bit more about these characters and 
the fact that you find out that Aragorn is actually 87 years old. Yeah. Um, and he's one of the doing a dying. Again, I think it might, might be my, my nerd head and my geek head sort of like getting massaged a bit because that is mentioned in the fact that it, it is a sort of a big part of his character. It is that he isn't young, he's old and he, he's wise as well as with his um, the fact that he's been dealing with becoming well not becoming king for so long mm. like it, it's, it's not a new thing but is, is there anything else that you'd like to have a uh, sort of bring to light no not on two towers i don't think no um again just really you know really really looking forward to return of the king and then uh, approaching the hobbit extended editions with much trepidation that's kind of where i'm at at the moment <laughs> It's that sense of dread that's just creeping in. A little bit, yeah. It kind of feels like I've got an exam coming up. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I will say is... I, I mean, I say... I, I took my notes and all, all I've written down is Orlando Bloom is just not very good. I mean, he he gets some clunkers to say. Um, like, his dialogue really isn't the best. But, yeah, it... I don't see how somebody... I don't know if it's just because he was the, the the pretty boy elf. I don't see how people... Casting agencies and studios are like, you know, let's give him this in massive, massive franchise like Pirates. Because he doesn't really give... I mean, John Reese davies he was... Again, he's had some really great moments in Two Towers. They're mostly all comedic moments. But it's... Like, it's just silly little moments, like when um, he kills the wag and another one's coming up like on top of him and Aragorn, I think, throws a spear and kills him. And he's currently sort of like bench pressing it and as soon as it falls down, it collapses on him. And just the sound he makes, mm. it is so funny. Uh, but yeah, he, he delivers great, great comedic relief um, within it. And I think, and again, he has a dual role because he's tree-beard as well, but... It's sad that John Reese davies didn't really do anything else with his creed. He just does, like, really, really weird B-movies now. I mean, the guy was in Indiana Jones and Lord of the Rings, but he seems to be content with just that. I kind of wonder whether he, he's just a, are you shooting near my house? Okay, fine, I will be in your film. Like... I, I seem to remember reading something saying that he wasn't a big fan of having to basically go to the other side of the world for really shoots and things like that, you know, and it's like he enjoyed his time with the cast and the crew and whatnot, but just that sheer logistical thing. I swear I read that sometime, but it, it, it's interesting with the Orlando Bloom thing you were saying there. And yeah, I mean, that, that that's the thing, buddy. What he was the pretty boy, wasn't he? And it, it's they. I, I, you know, I think they just had to cast someone who was gonna get girls and that's you know a fair amount of boys in. Quite frankly, as well, you know, I mean, it was interesting because Donna was kind of dipping in and out of this, and um, she was looking at Legolas and just like, why, why when you got Vigo Mortensen in there, you know? And I, I mean, I, I, I think that's interesting. I kind of wonder whether they underestimated the Aragorn first that there would be. Um, but maybe not, yeah. though, because there's that one shot where 
he bursts through those big doors and just almost like slow-mo walks in with his hair waving about. And it's just like, <laughs> fucking hell, you know, like it's, that's a spicy meatball, you know. Um, but I, I don't know. you got something for all sorts. I'm sure there's quite a few people are into Gimli, you know. You never know. Some people are into everything. Nobody's into sound like, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it's like Viggo Mortensen is such an interesting one because I love what he's done with the fact that he is a global name because of this because you cannot see him doing this again, like being in a big franchise. No. He's just not that guy. However... Like the career he had beforehand, I mean, the only really, really thing I can remember him being in is like, what I am, um, Perfect Murder, GI Jane. It, it's and then he gets this, and but then he just becomes again Cronenberg's guy and art house film, foreign language films. Like he he hasn't actually made that many movies since Lord of the Rings either. Like he hasn't just been like a movie a year guy. He, his career is a fascinating one. Yeah, it, he just strikes me as a, you know, he, he did the Lord of the Rings films. He's got cachet there. He can get things made because he was in Lord of the Rings, but he'll only make what he's kind of interested in making. You know, it's uh, it feels to me quite, quite like Robert Pattinson in a way. Um, mm. You know, like where he... You know, he's dipping into the Batman now and then that's going to give him the cachet to get another dozen low-budget films that not a lot of people see made, you know. Um, it, it kind of feels like that with Mortensen as well. Um, and it, But he replaced someone pretty... But did he replace Stuart Townsend? He did, Stuart Townsend, yeah. God, he got fucked, didn't he? Like... <laughs> You know, I mean, replace, replaced as Wolverine and the Zaricon, you know. He, the career that guy could have had. Yeah, I mean, that's some monkey's poor shit, that is. You know, it's like, I want to have a successful career in Hollywood. Okay, you shall have a successful career in Hollywood, but look what you could have had, you know. Yeah. But but I think, I think it was, I mean, obviously, obviously it was the right decision, um, because it's just it's, it's like the gravitas that um, Vigo brings to Aragorn yeah, is sure. absolutely needed. Because mm. he's the he's, he's the grounding of that storyline as well. Because you need him for Legolas, for Gimli, for all of that to work. You need that weight. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean the the casting is fucking perfect. You get like you say that whole he's 87 years old and he's wise kind of thing but you also get that he would go drinking with his friends as well you know as he's he smiles enough in this film uh, or in this series of films for you to get that you know but yeah i think that is round about it for two towers mm-hmm. um again it's it's, it's I mean, I do sit here and criticise some of the aspects of it, but these are five-star bangers yep. for me. Like, they, they, they are. And again, I'm looking forward to Return of the King. It is over four hours long, I think, even before credits. Mm. So that that's going to be interesting. But yeah, I'm looking forward to how 
they, they deal with some of the, the storylines in there because I bet some of it I've actually completely forgot. So that is, again, something I'm looking forward to. I'm, I'm just looking forward to tearing up at my friends you battle to no one. I remember crying like that as a child. Like, at that, at cinemas, yeah. fucking incredible. But yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Righty, oh well, I think that's about it. So we will let you guys go. We'll be back in say, a week or a few weeks, depends on when we can get free to record. But yeah, that is goodbye from me. And bye bye from me. Cheers. <laughs>